The following audio is from Grace City Church in San Diego, California. More information about Grace City Church is available at gracecitysd.com. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing, in righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. Verses 32, 33. For the simple are killed by their turning away, and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. Let's pray. Father, though we were once fools deserving disaster, you did not leave us to our demise. You fashioned us an incorruptible righteousness, an eternal identity by fashioning the cross for the Son to bear. Lord, as you have called us to new life in Christ, would we heed your call to wisdom. May the instruction of Proverbs and Randall's preaching be fixed to our hearts, minds, souls, that we would live for and love you with all zeal. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Max. Good morning, Gray City. It's great to see you today. Uh, If this is your first time, my name is Randall. I'm pastor here. Um, I'm excited today because today at the end of service, we're going to be installing some new elders. And so when I say I'm pastor, I'm just I'm one of the pastors here. I'm just one of the, the leaders here. Um, and so that's going to be at the end of service. And then also we're going to install some new deacons. Um, and when the Bible talks about leadership, um, specifically, it talks about leadership not being like this world. Um, when we think of leaders, we think of people up here. Uh, But when Jesus talks about leadership, he actually says that the leaders are down here. The leaders are the ones who serve, um, who have character and um, integrity. And um, we take very seriously what the Bible says about leadership. Um, And so I am thankful today to say that um, as we install these leaders, um, that they are here to serve. They're here to serve this, this church family. And I'm thankful to serve alongside them. And so this morning, uh, we are going back into the book of Proverbs, and we are looking at uh, this series called Ancient Wisdom in a Modern World. And our text today is from Proverbs 1, 1 through 9, and we're looking at verses 32 through 33. Now, before we jump in, I want to say that uh, our mission is to equip you with the gospel for everyday life. And so um, at our resource tent, uh, we have different resources. One of them is a devotional um, that I'd like to recommend to you. It's uh, both Timothy and Kathy Keller did one uh, 
God's wisdom for navigating life, uh, just daily devotionals through the book of Proverbs. And so uh, come up after the service, talk with me. I'll give this to you free of charge. And then also, um, I just recently finished this book, um, Before You Lose Your Faith. Uh, now, some of us uh, have questions, doubts. Uh, some of you look around and you see that you have friends that are struggling with their faith or even have walked away from the faith. Uh, this is a series of articles that are helpful in um, addressing some of the questions that people are asking right now. Uh, one of the best insights I got from it was that, um, you know, people say we're, we're, they're deconstructing their faith. But in many ways, we need to disenculture our faith. Uh, we, we attach our faith to the culture that we live in, and it's not biblical, and so how do we tie our faith to what the Bible says, what God's word says? Uh, because sometimes there's different lies that just kind of seep into the way we think about our faith. So this is a helpful um, book right here. And then last one is uh, Jesus Through the Eyes of Women, uh, How the First Female Disciples Help Us Know and Love the Lord. And so I'd encourage you to check this out. I'm about halfway through, but loving it, and I uh, have heard really great things. So would love for you to, to jump into that as well. So I'll have that all over here. Um, after service, come find me. Okay, so the message today is our need for wisdom. Our need for wisdom. E.O. Wilson once wrote, we are drowning information while starving for wisdom. We are drowning in information while starving for wisdom. Now, that was written over 20 years ago, but isn't that an accurate description of our culture today? Our news feeds, TVs, cell phones are inundated with information. We can Google anything at any time. But we are starving for wisdom on how to make good decisions in life. To build off of that, uh, Jay Kim, who wrote an article in this book right here, Before You Lose Your Faith, says, the internet overflows with wit, never-ending stream of clever, attention-grabbing morsels of amusement and misinformation. Its public expression always appears sudden and spontaneous, even if it was crafted laboriously over time. This is wit's nature. It makes logical sense, then, that online spaces are dominated by wit. What we crave are the jarringly abrupt morsels. But while wit rules the day in the digital age, Christian faith points us to a distinctly different virtue, wisdom. Wisdom is difficult to find. There are no shortcuts, no abbreviated versions. See, we have more wits, self-help advice about how to win at life. Yet our world is still coming apart at the seams. See, we are starving for wisdom. But I would say not just any wisdom. I believe we need God's wisdom. See, it's been estimated that the average adult makes around 35,000 choices per day. Around 225 or 26 just based on food. 
Last night, me and my wife were looking at each other, could not decide what we were going to eat for dinner. We probably made about 225 decisions right in that sitting, right? (laughs) See, when you make these decisions, some big, some small, there are consequences that we carry with those choices. Choices like, where do I go to school? What job should I take? How long should I stay there? What if I lose my job? How, how do I deal with finances? Where should I live? Who do I marry? See, these decisions can change the direction of our lives. Recently, I had the opportunity to do a podcast with my wife, Laura, talking about our time in college. And at this point today, we've been married more than 17 years And I remember the decision so vividly to ask her if she believed our relationship was more than just a friendship. It was nerve-wracking. I was scared. But I remember looking in the mirror and just praying to God and saying, God, you know. I just want to step in faith and trust you. See, I've been blessed As it says in Proverbs 18.22, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. When we think about this word for favor, it's, it's God's grace, God's kindness to us. See, for many of us, we understand the need to make good life decisions because bad decisions can be catastrophic. And some of us have felt that. And know that. See, we feel the pressure of being upset, overwhelmed, anxious, passive, or even helpless. And so today, let's seek for God's grace and wisdom together today. See, how does the Bible help us to live well in this world? Well, again, our text is from Proverbs 1, 1 through 9, and verses 32 through 33. Uh, The book of Proverbs specifically was written uh, by King Solomon and a couple others we've talked about at the end there. But Proverbs 1, 1 says this, that the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Like we talked about at the beginning of the year, that there is a connection to a royal lineage when we talk about this type of wisdom. And we take that all the way back to, yes, David, Solomon, but ultimately to Jesus Christ. King Solomon was one of the wisest people to ever live. We find out how in 2 Chronicles 1 and 1 Kings 3, Solomon asked God specifically for wisdom In 1 Kings 4, 29 through 30, it says, God gave Solomon wisdom and great insight and a breadth of understanding as measureless as the sand on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom was greater than the wisdom of all the people of the east and greater than all the wisdom of Egypt. See, why was Solomon able to receive this type of wisdom? Because it was from God. This wisdom pointing to God, ultimately not to Solomon. I want to give a disclaimer before we jump into the book of Proverbs. It's this. Before we jump into Proverbs, we must understand that Proverbs 
is not a book of, of good tips and advice for a successful life, even though it might seem like that. Proverbs is God's invitation on how to live well in his created world, in God's world. One commentator, well, I guess it'd be two, Daniel and Jonathan Aiken, will say this, because of sin, there are barriers between us and God, between us and others, and between us and the world around us. We no longer rightly perceive the world the way the world works. We no longer recognize the order, so we can't navigate through daily life. God created the world with an order to work in a certain way, and we must live according to that to be truly wise. But in our brokenness, we don't see it. Proverbs is all about restoring that harmony through Jesus Christ. Proverbs is all about becoming wise in everyday life through a relationship with Jesus, through the gospel. It's about the life of the kingdom that God always meant for humankind to live. See, God's design as we live in alignment with the way that he's created this world is to to live and to flourish under the leadership of God. And so from today's text... What can we learn about our need for wisdom? Well, we learn three things from the text. The the first one is what wisdom is. The second is where to begin. And third is why we need it. And so for the first one, uh, what wisdom is. Let's look at uh, verses two through three. Verse two, it says, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing and righteousness, justice, and equity. And to verse 4, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge, and discretion to the youth. First, what is wisdom? Well, we talked about that, this in the, the first uh, sermon of this series. It's this word, hokmah. And I love this working definition from Timothy Keller on this. He says this. He says, it is making the right choice even when there are no moral or clear moral laws telling you explicitly what to do. Some decisions require only knowledge and some only compliance with rules. But no Bible verse will tell you exactly whom to marry, which job to take, whether to move or to stay put. Yet a wrong decision can be disastrous. And there are no, there are no explicit Moral laws against character flaws such as abrasiveness, impulsiveness, emotional fragility, and disorganization. Yet, they can also damage the course of your life. See, as we look at the book of Proverbs, it talks about some of these specific areas. And so verses 2 through 4 tell us that wisdom is robust in nature because it's made up of some of the things that we've talked about before. Instruction, discipline, verse two. See, this is being corrected so that you are able to understand the world and read people and situations correctly. Insight, talks about this in verse two. Able to see, nuance, and give multiple options in situations to get the wisest decisions. A wise friend of mine, Keith Gooseby, I was sitting with him one time, he was telling me this. He says, many times... 
I only thought I had a couple options. Then God showed me I had more. See, sometimes you don't see all of the options that are there, that are available to you. But as he prayed and as he sat in God's word, he's like, maybe there's more options than I thought. Prudence. Verse four. This is practical wisdom to get things done. Setting goals, accomplishing them. These are good and healthy things. See, wisdom, there's a lot to it. And there's a lot of areas that we need to grow. And so biblically, wisdom impacts every area of our lives. Secondly, okay, I understand wisdom, but where, where to begin? Well, verse 7 tells us where to begin. It says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The Bible makes it very clear on where to begin. But again, it ties us back to really the root of our problem from the very beginning. It ties us back to the garden, back to Adam and Eve, back to when sin entered the world. We've talked about this before, but sin is rooted in that middle letter I. I got it. I can do this. It's all about me and my thoughts and my decisions. And God, just bless what I want to do. See, at the very beginning, Adam and Eve thought that God was holding out on them. But yet he was warning them. He was trying to bring wisdom into their life. And the same thing happens with us. And so where do we start? Well, it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Now, there are two parts to this. The first is this. Uh, what is the fear of the Lord? Well, it's a reverence and an awe before God. See, honoring, honoring God's definition of life and good and evil. See, before we get to any of that, many times what we think is, well, I, I kind of understand what this looks like. But to come to God's word and say, I don't understand any of it. I don't understand life. I don't understand what, what this looks like. Lord, help me to define things how you define things. Verse 4 says that this goodness looks like righteousness, justice, equity. See, that's God's definition. And so how do we come in alignment with that? That's what the book of Proverbs helps us with. And that's what we're going to be studying See, what does it look like to have a healthy fear of the Lord? See, essentially, the fear of the Lord is saying, I must start with God. God first. And what this looks like, it's a healthy fear of the Lord that moves us toward wisdom. I was recently reading uh, a book by a man named John Bunyan. Uh, John Bunyan uh, wrote Pilgrim's Progress, uh, but he also, before he wrote 
this book, Pilgrim's Progress, he wrote a book, uh, Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners. And on all accounts, people who met him said he wasn't an impressive person. He wasn't a very learned individual. He didn't have all of these accolades. But today, even today, the Pilgrim's Progress still is one of the classics when it comes to Christian reading. He wrote it in prison for preaching the gospel. But this is somebody who had a wisdom that wasn't his own. It was from God. But he's lived in the fear of the Lord. As you read this book, The Grace Abounding to the Chief of Sinners, this guy is just literally just processing and, and weighing his relationship with God. And he says, you know what's a healthy thing for all of us to do is to, to, to think about and process our conversion, our transformation, how God pursued me, how far off I was, how foolish I've been and still choose to be. Yet God is there in his love and his grace. Derek Kidner, a commentator on this text, says, For the fear of the Lord is not a mere beginner's step in wisdom to be left behind, but the prerequisite of every right attitude. Only so will the wor world be seen the right way up and life begin to reveal its intended pattern. Today, whether we followed the Lord for many years or we just met Jesus for the first time, we all need the fear of the Lord. To continue in this. See, the beautiful thing about God is that God is not holding out on us. In James 1.5, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. See, God is gracious and his timing is perfect. But many times we want to do things on our own, right? One of the the great debates in my home with my kids is snacks. Mom, Dad, here's the snacks I really like. Here's the snacks I enjoy having. Here's all the snacks that, you know, I really wish that you would put inside the pantry. And so sometimes I'll agree to it. I'll say, okay. You ask for those snacks. And so we fill the pantry with the snacks. My wife looks at me. She's like, why'd you do that? Why'd you do it? Like, I know, but this time, you know, this time, they won't, they won't, they'll listen to us, you know? And I'm telling you, at all hours, I'm hearing, I'm hearing, and seeing rappers just all over the place. I'm literally picking them out of our cushions. Just, how did it get there? See, we want to do things on our, like, in, in way, I got to tell, I say, guys, 
I love you, but you're not ready for it. You ain't ready for these snacks. And when God is in our life, he's a good father. He knows. Because some of us are like, man, I just wish this would happen in my life. Or that way I would get this job or I would get this thing. And it's like, no, you don't. Because actually it could ruin your life. It could ruin your life. And so the fear of the Lord. Secondly, why do we not fear the Lord? Why do we not fear the Lord? Well, Solomon says it's because of foolishness. And simple-mindedness is what he says. In verse 7, he said it was foolishness. In verse 4 and 32, he says it was simple-mindedness. And so a fool in the scriptures is described throughout Proverbs. Here's what a fool looks like. Self-righteous, opinionated, stubborn, nearly impossible to persuade, strongly resists if you try to correct them, despises, hates correction. Fools described in Proverbs are people who don't listen to what others say, can't have a healthy discussion and dialogue with them. They're set in their ways. See, being a fool doesn't mean they're not smart. Doesn't mean they're not smart. It just means that they think they know everything. And you're thinking, I know someone like that. I saw someone like that on my newsfeed this week. Yes, maybe so. But the Bible isn't talking about whether you saw someone like this this week. It's asking, am I that person? Am I that person? Is that me? Lord, help me. See, the simple, it says, are described throughout Proverbs as well. Naive, believing anything, careless, controlled by fear, easily manipulated, go with what's most popular. The simple don't ask good questions, and so that's how they're easily deceived. They don't test character, track record. They're sure the person that they trust most is always right. Again, a good insight in this is, is from Timothy Keller. He says, a simple person is too concerned about what others, other people think, whereas a fool is a person who's not concerned enough. They're both fool and simple out of touch with reality. Simpletons aren't in touch with reality. They're in touch with their friends. Fools are not in touch with reality. They're in touch with their own pride, their own dignity. See, this is why many times we can't have helpful conversations over social media or me email or any of those things. See, we need the fear of the Lord. And it is the fear of the Lord that brings us in touch with reality. What is reality? It's God's reality. Third, why we need it. 
Verses 32 through 33 say this, for the simple are killed by their turning away and the complacency of fools destroys them. But whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without dread of disaster. First, verse 32 warns us that we have a natural disposition to be simple or foolish and both lead to destruction. You and I aren't born wise, but by the grace of God, we become wise. Second, verse 33 encourages us that we need God's voice above every other voice to lead us to life. See, there are many voices out there right now vying to lead us in one direction or another. And we need God's voice to lead us and to direct us. See, ultimately, at the end of the day, the most important voice is God's voice, not my voice or any person that touches this stage. Any person that touches this stage is a flawed human being that needs the grace of God. And the only voice that matters Above every voice is God's voice. And so that's what I pray you hear. John 10.27 says this, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. It's the voice of Jesus. It's the voice of Christ. See, he's the shepherd. We're the sheep. And we follow his voice. Some takeaways. How can we apply this? First one is this. Seeking wisdom is a constant journey. It's a constant journey. See, look back at your life. Have you ever thought to yourself, remember when I was in middle school? Man, I was so naive back then. I didn't know what I was talking about. See, it's easy to look back at ourselves and, um, <coughs> and to think that. <coughs> but what about a year ago? What about five years ago? Anybody got some water? <laughs> Here we give, give it up for my awesome wife. <laughs> Thank you, honey. Okay, so my voice is coming back. As you think about a year ago, five years ago, what do you see when you look at yourself? For me, I think, wow, I thought I knew more than I really did. Randall at 35 was a fool. And the same thing is going to be true as you continue in life. See, grow in wisdom, grow in grace. 
And here's the beautiful part. Because of the gospel, Christ has loved you at your most foolish points where you would have thought you were a fool. Christ loved you. Christ loved me. Christ died for me. And so wisdom comes by continually seeking God. We talked about this, but wisdom is not inherent. It's invested. It's invested. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen tells us that foolishness is inherent. Proverbs twenty-two fifteen says foolishness is bound up into the heart of a child. See, this goes against the grain of our culture. That tells us we are perfect just the way we are. The Bible confronts us by saying that we're naturally foolish. We need correction, discipline, greater sensitivity, outside help. We must be intentional about passing wisdom on to the next generation. I love that this church is so diverse, intergenerational and also ethnically. And I learn something from my brothers and sisters all the time in this church. And I just want to say thank you. I love you. Because that is what heaven looks like. I remember I was speaking at um, Bridges. Um, Thank you, Lauren, for inviting me. Just all the international students that were there is beautiful. And it just, it became such a, reality to me as I was going through John 3.16 where it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. And as I'm standing there, I'm seeing the world. What a beautiful picture and what an amazing God we serve. Amen? Again, Derek Kidner says, every section of the book, it is assumed that the truth is to be learnt first at home and still there with firmness and affection as lessons for the mind and training for the character. That's what we need. Ultimately, last, last point, ultim- ultimately, God's wisdom is a relationship, not tips for life. It's a relationship, not tips for life. See, some of us may say today, yes, the youth must learn to be wise. Amen. Again, God's word tells us that we are all disciples, learners. That's what it means. Disciple is a learner, never stops learning. We never stop growing. We never stop needing correction. And ultimately, our greatest teacher is Jesus Christ. John 13, 16 says, Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Matt Emerson said, When we read Proverbs, it's a book that shows us that wisdom, what wisdom looks like and asks us to follow her voice, Proverbs 8, because wisdom... Or because Jesus is wisdom, 1 Corinthians 1.24, then it's a book that asks us to see Jesus and follow Jesus. To follow Jesus is to fear the Lord, which is the beginning and end of wisdom. 
Do you believe that today? So how do we gain wisdom? It's by receiving the true wisdom of God into our hearts, the wisdom that we are all starving for. It's confessing, I believed that I was wise in my own eyes, but I'm truly a fool. I need God. I need him to save me. And then we come to a passage like 1 Corinthians 1.18 that says this, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. It is the wisdom of God. You see, why is that true? It's because the wisest person to ever walk this earth, Jesus Christ, was looked upon and pointed at like he was a fool on that cross. And he took all of our foolishness, all of our sin, everything upon his own shoulders, died for it. It says, you want to know that I love you through the foolishness? Look at the cross. Look at what I've done for you. Let that love radically change your heart. Let it change your life. Let it transform you from the inside out, and you will become a wiser person than you ever could have been on your own. So we thank God today and we pray to him now. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for how you work. We thank you that you are all wise, all knowing. You care for us and you don't give up on us. Some of us today are living in that, that, that prodigal life where we're we're, we're, we're the, the younger brother, or maybe we're the older brother, who are just, we're living as a fool in the, 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 the way that the world would define it, just run into everything other than the Father. Some of us are living and we think, oh, I got this, I'm, 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 I, I figured out life, I can do this on my own, I don't need the Father. But the Father's calling out to us today. And we pray that we hear your voice and we come running home to you. We thank you, God, for your kindness and grace to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this resource from Grace City Church. If you found this helpful, feel free to share it and enjoy more resources at gracecitysd.com. Grace City Church exists to equip people with the gospel for everyday life.